listening to Radio Owl's Nest. The songs of Martin Page, all day, all night, forever. So grab a cup of tea, settle down with us in the Owl's Nest. People have told me that sounds like Winston Churchill. Um, uh, well, this is a special. Uh, this is a special. Some people have requested that maybe I did another special about one of my albums. So I thought it's the right time. I'm going to talk about my second solo album. After I did In the House of Stone and Light, uh, many years later, in 2008 actually, took me a while to do this, um, I released an album called In the Temple of the Muse on my own label, Ironing Board Records, a little independent label that I set up with my manager. Um, so In the Temple of the Muse, that's going to be the story today i'm going to do a special totally on that record uh, talk about the songs play all the songs and give you some insights to um how that came to be i do remember um that i was piecing together some of the songs for another record um i was going to release on mercury records and i'd written the song me morena and a couple of others and the top executives came over to my house to hear the tracks being formed and they said excellent carry on my lad and then the record company folded and there i was with some of the songs I was actually very near to preparing and getting live drum well actually I did get some live drums played by Jimmy Copley again and I was going to get Mike Shipley uh, ready to mix it but then all of a sudden uh, Titanic happened at the record company and there was no more uh, second album on Mercury for me I was officially dropped with a lot of other people dropped from a great great height and at that point, I thought, well, I'm just going to stop for a while because you can't trust the record company uh, business. You just can't trust it. And it, I was a bit sort of knocked back by the fact that I couldn't do a second album after In the House of Stone and Light because that record had done quite well, particularly the single. So I sort of went into a little bit of a uh, hermit seclusion, as I tend to do sometimes. And I thought about everything and I just sort of stepped back. Well... I stepped back for a bloody long time, didn't I? Uh, along comes 2008, and uh, it's the digital revolution. Um, I was being encouraged to make a record myself and put it out on my own label. And uh, I remember uh, Mike Rodriguez, a, a great gentleman, a great friend that helps me with my studios and was on the tour with me, uh, helping me technically get it together. He said, that's what you've got to do, Pagey. We've got to get another album out of you. So... In the Temple of the Muse um, was decided to be a viable thing. And now that uh, that title, I'd had it written down on a piece of paper for the longest time. I tend to write titles down and keep them in books and then discover them later. And uh, there was a shop um, in London called a bookshop called the Temple of the Muse. Um, and it was around the time of Dickens, I think, or maybe the Romantic Poets. And it looked amazing. And I thought, there's another incredibly long title about uh, temples or houses or buildings, which I tend to do. So you had In the House of Stone and Light, and now we were going to go into the Temple of the Muse, uh, another building-like uh, title. <laughs> I don't know why I come up with them. Um, I just like the sound of them, really. Um, but also, around this period, um, getting you into the picture here, through that period, from my first album and the long length of time to the second one, 
um, I'd lost my parents and uh, some good friends had passed on. And so around this album, I remember that when I was writing it, I was uh, learning about Buddhism and trying to heal through the grief. And so some of these songs I can remember came uh, to me while I was uh, negotiating really a lot of pain, emotional pain anyway. Um, and so the songs appeared when I didn't really expect them to appear. Um, and uh, without looking over my shoulder, I saw that I had something like 14 to 15 songs written. And through everybody's encouragement, I thought maybe now I'm ready to put this uh, second record out myself. And I was getting healthy in my mind and, th and uh, life was beginning to come back uh, in quite colourfully and I could feel life again after the grief. And so um, in the Temple of the Muse meant to me that I was going back into the church of the studio, the, the recording studio, the electric church, and it, it was the Muse for me. I was back in, in the studio um, in the place I really loved to be. And that, to me, was uh, the Temple of Creativity. So that's where the Temple of the Muse uh, basically came for me as a title and, and what it meant to me. And then because of the Buddhism, a lot of the songs I was writing were very, I suppose, introspective and um, had a long-distance view about them. They weren't actually on the nose. They were um, atmospheric pieces. And the first song, I guess I will, um, really was one of those kinds of songs that came about from a feeling, a Buddhist feeling. Um, and uh, I guess I will was my surrender back to music, really, and to realising that uh, I flourish when I write songs and I record songs and I sing. So I guess I will was me speaking to myself and saying, I guess this is what I should be doing. Anyway, um, I found a fantastic rhythm on the drum machine. Uh, and it was bubbling and it was very very spontaneous and let me play it to you now here's the song that starts the album up I guess I will
that's the first song on the album I guess I will and it was interesting I was writing a love song uh, as you can hear with the lyrics but it was a love song to um, to music and and how music had brought me back from a pretty dark space really so um, uh, in a way it's a love song to what has kept me alive all these years which is creativity and music that's uh, me programming the drums and Jimmy Copley adding his live drums on top of that we had Russell Broom the great guitarist from Canada and Neil Taylor uh, the great guitarist from Bath in England um uh not from being in a bath but from bath um <laughs> neil played as, as some beautiful guitars there as did russell and the rest of the stuff was done by me um i, I remember that i was a little nervous that i was going to start the album with this mid-tempo groove because you know you always want to sort of lift off at the front of an album as in the house of stone and light had done but over time i just realized that the groove was very sensuous and quite unusual and so um it just um had to be the opening track it was quite a strange arrangement as well with the key changes happening around where usually bridges take place so i really felt like this song was definitely um pushing the album from the start in a really um shall we say sensuous way the second song on the album is a song called everything you do and i think this totally reflects what i was reading a great deal of at that time which was buddhism um i think these lyrics uh, really come from that um engulfing myself in a lot of the literature and uh, and really feeling that buddhism was speaking to me it's an interesting track in the sense that uh, the drum track um uh, came from um, a recording that i did on the house of stone and light sessions where trevor thornton my great friend and drummer from the qfield days he came in to play on a song called in my room on that album and do some overdubs for on uh, keeper of the flame and the door and uh, while he was there, we got him to play a groove, um, and the engineer, um, Jeff Lorenzen, eventually got the, got Trevor's drums and sampled them into a wonderful loop. And it was one interesting to me because the kick was on the offbeat, uh, reminded me of like King of Pain by the Police. It was just interesting for me to write on. So, in fact, Trevor's the drummer on this, but it's a loop of uh, what I picked up in the House of Stone and Light days from him. But it really propelled the track, and uh, the chords were very very simple i've always been a fan of um those chord progressions that um feel enigmatic but they're very very simple when you really look at them there's a revolving feel about these chords and a kind of hypnotic feel um i did all the recording on this and brian fairweather uh, my q film partner songwriter partner came in and did some guitar overdubs on the on the end of the song and um it was basically again a demo that turned into a master anyway let's play it and i'll talk to you a bit more about it after this is a song called everything you do everything you do do it for love
everything you do. Do it for love. Uh, that's the second track on uh, my album in the Temple of the Muse, and this is a special about that album. Um, that brought back some memories because I remember I was playing on the end an Epiphone John Lennon guitar and I was putting it through a little very small uh, 5 watt Vox amplifier but it gave it such a bark it was great and on the end there I faded a little bit earlier otherwise we're never going to get through this are we we're not going to play 10 songs um, but on the end there's a choir uh, that um, I didn't have on the original recording and right at the last minute I put on this uh, kind of uh, renaissance Gaelic kind of uh, choir and uh, it does uh, end quite beautifully. But you're going to have to listen to the album properly to hear the end. We are fighting against time. Um, and then um, a few artists, including Robbie Williams. He, he attempted to record this, and uh, we never got to finish it. But uh, he was very attracted to this song. And Mickey Thomas with uh, put it on the Starship's Greatest Hits. Um, I love that the bass comes in uh, later on in the song and that the bass starts to uh, not play the root notes on the chords and I think that's when you get the emotional moments in songs and suspensions. Uh, uh, there's a lot of them in there. <laughs> and, and I'm always moved by suspended chords. Anyway, that's a second song on the album, uh, Everything You Do, maybe in brackets, Karma. Well, the first song I actually uh, wrote for this album, thinking it was going to be the second album on Mercury, was the song Me Morena. And I've probably told this story a million and one times, but uh, the inspiration came from Pablo Neruda's uh, wonderful poetry, The Chilean Poet. And uh, this song has been recorded by Josh Groban and uh, Elaine Page and some others as well. It's one of those songs that um, seems to have legs. Um, I remember that I played Me Morena to the Mercury Record Company when I was building the album and they sort of pointed to say that's probably going to be the single, the adult contemporary single. So we all, I did feel good about that and it seemed like this song um, was a very, very strong place to start from. Uh, Me Morena in uh, Latin means my dark one um, and I had to ask my manager what it meant because I, when I was looking at the poetry I always write with phonetic lyrics so, so in that chorus I had the sound but I didn't have the words and then glancing at uh, Pablo Neruda's poetry, there it was when I sang Me Morena, I thought whatever that means, it does sound good and luckily it meant something that appealed to me my dark one and I do like brunette ladies so um, what you hear with me Morena is actually the demo it's all my me playing everything and I actually thought it was the demo but every time I played it to somebody they'd say that's finished it feels really good so um, th this is a great example of, of the demo really becoming the master um, I'll tell you a bit more about it after uh, this is the third song on the album me Morena so
You know, over the years, your voice changes as a singer, and um, I don't think I could have sung that song when I was a young lad. Uh, and I don't think uh, I think it was the timing was right for me to be able to perform a song like that. My voice got richer. Um, I began to really think about what I was singing, and I think that's because of the break that I had between House of Stone and Light when I was beginning to get in touch with something uh, inner inside me. And I think when I made Temple of the Muse, particularly on songs like this. Um, my vocals, uh, to me, um, sort of came into their own, and uh, I believed in them. I had a new sensation that uh, I believed that some of the songs I was singing, only I could actually portray them the way they should be portrayed. Now, I'd never had those feelings before, but on this album, I began to be suspicious of that. You probably know I, I take sequencing of an album very seriously, so the first three songs here that you've just heard, I guess I will, Everything You Do, and Me Morena, it felt to me that like that was a good trio, that was a good triplet start to the album. And one more thought about uh, Me Morena, it's become, in a, in a way, um, my most second love song in my career, really. It's uh, <laughs> After House of Stone and Light, Me Morena seems to be um, a well-loved, beloved song. Uh, and we're not mentioning We Built the City in These Dreams here, but just for my career, Me Morena has become a bit of a touchstone. Going into the chest of the album, um, from the head down to the chest, track four. It's a song called Try. I have fond memories of this song. Uh, I can remember a lot about it and uh, I'll tell you more about it when it's over. Try. So the party's over, it's time to turn out the lights. In the middle of nowhere, empty songs, empty nights. 
Temple of the Muse. This is a special about that album. Thank you for joining me and listening. Hopefully you're there. Progressing with me through this album from 2008. Uh, this is a Radio House Nest special. Now try, um, I had a lot of memories of this song. Um, I remember that it, yeah, it was done on analogue on a Soundcraft uh, big 24 channel board. I think it was, um, yes, it filled up my whole room and uh, the initial uh, recording was done onto a Studio 24 track <clears throat> and then I transferred it across. And I do remember uh, it was unusual for me to sing a whole song falsetto and uh, this whole song really is in falsetto and uh, many times really you can't get away with that. Maybe I shouldn't have, but... Uh, uh, it seemed to have such a melancholy and wistful and longing feel about singing it all in falsetto. Something about the pads as well. I remember that the pads made the song for me, the sound, the hollow sound, which you can hear mainly in the breakdown, <clears throat> Last Bridge. Um, I think that really made me approach this song in an interesting way because I actually 
program the drum machine live as the song went through and I was playing a lot of toms on the drum machine and that made me feel a bit like a Fleetwood Mac track. Uh, somehow the toms rumbling uh, made me want to also just play a very freeform guitar. Um, I remember this is like just a couple of tracks of just feeling the track and uh, not really analysing too much and finding a really nice delay with the guitar. So that, you know, with the pads, the rumbling live drum machine and the guitar being freeform, something about the song had a longing feeling about it like you were trying to make your friend or somebody you love uh, t- uh, believe in themselves you know to trust themselves I mean it's easy to trust other people but it's often not very easy for us to believe or trust in ourselves and that's really what this song is all about after listening to the first four songs again now I can realize that uh, uh, an intimacy was happening on this album um, in a lot of ways a closer sim- simplified intimacy than than the first album I made in the House of Stone and Light this was a closer record to me particularly around this spot the fourth fourth song I could feel that, the, that, that there was something that was uh, brave about um, not going over the top in the production and try is a very uh, sim- simple song there's always a tendency to produce 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 and think there's something more but I think because of uh, my emotional state making this record that I thought if we could hold some close intimacy to to this uh, record, we'd be doing well. Uh, again, as I said, analog recording, and you can feel the bass on this track, and sometimes I'm, I'm sure the bass players will enjoy. Sometimes when you just play a steady eight bass throughout the song, it speaks really, really well. And I think I've got a, a, a clarity and a simplicity in the lyrics as well. A couple of lines, try to trust your own heart, uh, and in in love all things renew um and i really believe that so uh that's what i can remember about try now most albums uh have 10 songs on well they did for my era anyway now you can put like 72 on and still put it onto a cd somehow um but uh song five we're coming up to man in the moon and to me that was like the middle of the record it might have been uh the beginning of side two or the end of side one i'm not sure anyway uh this is a song called man in the moon and i see it really as a brother song to a song of mine called shape the invisible which uh, i recorded on the in the house of stone and light record uh there's a lot of um similarities there particularly with the rhythm and the feel um it's an ecology song um and it had a long start a long beginning i wrote this and i wasn't sure what it was when i wrote it <laughs> lyrically and it, at first it was called harvest bow uh and it had a a gaelic celtic feel about it um and it was a little um shall we say folk oriented um uh, but the rhythm when jimmy uh, copley the live drummer uh, as you will hear on the song played on it it, it got another uh, uh, a strength to it and a different um, picture appeared to me and it seemed to have a very very long distance view again and so it, it brought back to me the thought of when I was a kid my uh, parents used to say look at the moon you'll see the face in the moon and for the longest time I couldn't I was like uh, yeah uh, 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 and then I suddenly I go yes there's the eyes there's a the nose there's a the mouth and I always thought even as a kid like oh the moon is looking down on us and so the vibe of the song was that the moon was looking at all the things we were doing wrong on earth all the wars and if you look at the satellite pictures of earth you can see how it's changed with uh, the the uh, pollution and uh, you can see the color of the blue changing into pollution oil and you can see where the wars have happened and are still happening and you could see that there was a lot of desolation and the burning of the jungle so the the color 
colour of the earth was changing, and it was not changing uh, into a nice colour. Um, I remember when I recorded this that it, I recorded it first too slow, so I had to speed the track up uh, when I mixed it. So if any of you guitarists out there or musicians trying to play along to it, you're going to go, what? kind of crazy keys and is this in yes it was sped up and um jimmy copley great drums uh, you'll notice on the end when he comes in from the breakdown into the re-entry of the fade he doesn't quite an interesting role <clears throat> he sort of goes across the beat that was a mistake um he wasn't sure where to come in and so he did a, a role that went into the fade but it just sounded great and we both looked at each other and said mm, that should stay and also russell broom the canadian guitarist who i'd met playing on the road he was with jan arden's band he played the major electric guitar on this and the strikes in the chorus and the arpeggio arpeggio on the end which sounds like very genesis in my mind um he put that in a place in the song that I thought wasn't the perfect place to have it, so I sampled it and put it on to the end. And my manager, who got used to it in the other place, said, it's starting in the wrong place and the arp is backwards. But I liked it, so I fought her off and uh, I kept it there. And uh, Russell did play some extremely beautiful guitars. The rest of the music you hear on there is all Mr. Page, me. And I'm particularly pleased with the guitars. Anyway... Have a listen to Man in the Moon.
Man in the Moon, uh, track five on my album in the Temple of the Muse. Uh, uh, yeah, I sped the track up, as I, as I said to you, and you can hear my voice is a little teeny bit different to what you probably know. I sound a bit like John Lennon on Strawberry Fields Forever. There's an element there that reminds me that, yes, this track has been sped up and I'm moving towards chipmunk land, but not quite. But, uh, yeah... Uh, Man in the Moon. And now we move on to a very simple and short song that has become a little bit beloved by my supporters, and I'm, I'm glad it is. It's called Blessed. A very, very simple, simple piece, but uh, quite emotional. Um, I remember writing it, and I remember my mother was alive, and she heard it and instantly said, that's going to make me cry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I do remember that when I wrote this song, I thought um, the actual progression uh, in not a great key for guitarist, D flat. Uh, <laughs> I always write in these bizarre keys. Uh, I, I, whenever guitarists play on my record, they say, is it in E flat or C sharp? Or And I go, yes, I'm afraid it is. Uh, I can't move it into C or E for you. So um, guitarists sort of get prepared to break their fingers when they play on my records. I remember when I wrote the song that I had most of the lyrics, but I didn't really have the, the end lyrics. And um, when I didn't get the lyrics at the end, suddenly it became a marriage song, a commitment song. And I wasn't sure it was a commitment song. And um, I fought that for a while, but then over time I just thought um, it makes a lot of sense. And you sort of back off to your emotions and say, um, this is the way it should be. And in fact, over the years, many, many um, supporters of mine have said they've used it at their marriage ceremonies. And that's uh, there's uh, nothing better than that, I suppose. Track six on In the Temper of the Muse, he's blessed. A million stars burn overhead But one flame lights my life yeah. Who'd have thought I'd find the best With you I am blessed You took this broken mind Held me in Healing hands Thank my lucky stars I guess With you I am blessed Fill my soul with pride Each day that I See the sunrise in your eyes After all we've been through one thing is true I spend my life with you Oh, it has to be said With you I am blessed When I've needed a friend I have felt Quiet strength Walk beside me Every step With you I am blessed Fill my soul with pride Each day that I See the sun rise in your eyes After all we've been through one thing is true I'll spend my life 
with you And our journey begins Now you wear my ring All the day that you said yes Was the day I was blessed You're listening to uh, a Radio Owl's Nest special um, about the album, my second solo album, In the Temple of the Muse, and that was track six, Blessed. Uh, listening back now, sat here in the studio putting this all together, um, I'm very happy with the sequencing on this record. I feel like it, um, the order of the songs is working. And of course, when you record lots of music like I do, you don't get a chance sometimes to look back at what you've done. I tend to move on straight away. So um, as I'm sat here pondering, I'm thinking the sequencing, the uh, as I see like making a book or seeing how a movie flows, I, I feel it. The seventh song on this record, um, quite a big history about it, and I can I, I can remember a lot about this song, "The Long Walk Home." Um, when I wrote this, uh, uh, initially it had a lot of rhythm, continually pounding through it, and uh, I really felt like the rhythm was the key that we that was the way the song was going to start. But at a certain point, I just felt that there was more in the lyrics that had to be related to rhythmically and musically. So I broke the whole song down into a minimal, intimate uh, vibe. I took the reverbs off the lead vocal so that there was a closeness to the lead vocal. Something in this song felt very strong to my manager, and every time I played demos of it to her, she said, sing it again, sing it again. You need to get the emotion right. I know you can get the emotion right. So she pushed me to the limit on the vocal, but I'm, I'm very pleased that she did. The music that join me on this record again Jimmy Copley and he played right from the beginning of the song but you'll hear I only bring him in really on the fade and I feature the drum machines much before the fade comes and Jimmy adds this double time terrific rhythm uh, Russell Broom again played guitars and it's his uh, solo on an acoustic guitar that you'll hear um, Jack Hughes played rhythm fantastic part all the way through the song but um, again, I bring him in halfway through the track. He plays a very kind of Pete Townsend repetitive uh, arp guitar, and uh, that worked out quite beautiful. And there was a place which it felt where it should uh, start to creep in. And the song was recorded again by Robbie Williams, and myself and Bobby Summerfield produced Robbie on it. And I think the uh, redemption side of the lyrics, uh, um, really based on beating an addiction, um, really appealed to him. And I think he really related to the beating an addiction lyrics and trying to help somebody beat addiction. And Robbie did a great version of it as well. Uh, I'm reminded here that I played five string bass on this, a Yamaha five string bass, and the pushes on the five string bass. Give, it, give the song an underlying <coughs> funk feel, I think. There's a, an underlying groove that is quite tasty. And on the, on the fade, it's the, or the little bass riffs you hear, the five-string bass riffs. I've doubled that with my voice so that it gets a very interesting character about it, almost like a tribal, primitive feel with these bass notes. Anyway, I'll stop rambling. This is track seven on In the Temple of the Muse, a song called The Long Walk Home. Baby... You can pick away the moon And pour away the ocean You can take apart the sun And run from everyone You can blow out all the stars But I know the day will come When 
love unchains your soul And you'll take the long walk home Hello baby Haven't seen you for a while There's a shadow on your face A lie in your smile You sent the world away Everything's just fine But there's a cry for help Behind your eyes, baby You can pick away the moon And pour away the ocean You can take apart the sun And run from everyone You can blow out all the stars But I know the day will come When love unchains your soul You'll take the long walk home Another 5 a.m. The cancer crawls And you're pressed against An invisible wall All of the bottles are dry And the seed is stuck You keep hearing Johnny sing All you need is love, baby You can take away the moon And pour away the ocean You can take apart the sun And run from everyone You can blow out all the stars But I know the day will come When love unchains your soul And you'll take the Sleep the longest night I believe you'll wake in time To open the window wide Breathe the breathing light Seven on In the Temple of the Muse. That's a song called The Long Walk Home. 
And that's Bill Dylan, the great Canadian guitarist, playing some of those great licks on the end. And I remember listening back now that a lot of the uh, uh, sequencing on this song and the way the song starts, I was playing a DX7 too. That's for all you tech nerds out there. So, to song eight. It's a track called Song for Ruth, and it's for my mother. Um, and her name was Ruth Pamela Page. So um, my dad, after he lost mummy, told me some incredible stories about how he dated her and uh, romanced her. Um, they were very, very much in love all through their lives. And um, after she passed, he, one day he sat down and told me how that uh, he used to uh, come from a small village, Totten, outside Southampton, into Southampton, into the city centre where my mum lived, and um, he would ride a bike in, <laughs> a bicycle, all that way, to meet my mum, and um, and then he would say he would ride his bike back after trying to woo her, as we say, and uh, sometimes she used to take the bus into Totten uh, to see him, and he always always remembered and reminisced that when she got on the bus to go back, um, he used to look for her face at the window, and um, in lots of ways it broke his heart, and he knew that he was going to marry her. Uh, I wrote the uh, lyrics through his eyes and everything he was talking to me about, as, and as though he was speaking to her. Could, he could have been speaking to her back then and speaking to her... Um, now well at that point when he'd lost her so that's the way the lyrics are written and uh, she loved to dance and he always told me that uh, that was her big thing she loved music and she wanted to dance all the time and so there's an element in the lyrics which are pointing towards that also christmas was huge to my mum and dad remembered that uh, she waited for that period and it was very magical to her also on the end, I do a stream of consciousness um, singing. It's a stream of thought. Uh, all the, as I sang the song, I just thought about all the things that were magical to her in her life. I was a big fan of Mike Scott and what the Water Boys were doing, and it, there was an element of that kind of letting go of just what you thought. I remember when I sang the lead vocal, I closed my eyes and just thought of all the things that she... Um, felt dear about and i let it just go and uh also that you'll you'll you can tell there's a huge blue nile influence on this song i was very moved around this period to the work of the scottish band the blue nile and and, and the way i was playing the chords and the way i was feeling the track was uh, very much influenced by the uh, uh, and my admiration for that band I think it's one of the best vocals I've ever done. Anyway, I'll talk a bit more about it after, but here is a song called Song for Ruth. The last bus is leaving from the station tonight. I look in the windows for your smile. Let me hold you back. felt so right Can you feel me baby Love never says goodbye I can see a young girl dancing in the light Let me hold you baby Love never says goodbye Lights. I kiss your soul and say goodbye. 
Ruth, uh, I was playing a Epiphone Casino guitar on that, and um, I was playing all the instruments. That's a, sort of a one-man band show kind of thing. Um, 808 drum machine um, was uh, all that was used. There's something about an eight, a Roland 808 drum machine uh, that brings a closeness and an intimacy uh, it, to a song. Uh, so that's what I was programming there. And the suspended chords throughout the track, it's really the bass notes that are making the chords point towards changing. Um, and I enjoyed the playing the minimal piano notes and the solo. Very, very short, but a little bit jazzy. And it just felt... Um, Beautifully blue and rainy, so that's song for Ruth. Now we come to track nine, and it's a song called When Johnny Sang the Blues. Um, I remember when I was doing this song, I really felt for some reason it was a continuation of Song for Ruth. Uh, I think lyrically it touches on that same theme, and uh, it's a, it is a continuation. There's a real northern feel about this song. I, in, in my mind when I was writing the lyrics, I was feeling how nostalgic and how romantic the 60s were to me with the Beatles breaking up, uh, uh, up, up in Liverpool. So there's a feeling of the north here. And John Lennon, uh, he really influenced me with his uh, twist 
didn't shout vocals and how he really sang the blues uh, even with the Beatles early on I felt that and so there's a real nostalgia for the north and the 60s and the atmosphere of what that was a romantic nostalgic time for me great great drum playing on this track by Jimmy Copley and uh, I'm very proud of the bass I played with him on this the accents and uh, I think it's one of my best bass performances with uh, Jimmy Um, and Jimmy's got that piccolo snare very very uh, high snare I wish uh, Mike Shipley could have mixed uh, this track and the whole album but this is just me doing my stuff the bridges uh, that uh, particularly on the end when the bridge happens it, it uplifts into I think a very very spiritual place and the bass uh, I, I let myself go there let my hair down uh, that's me playing the open, opening guitar and most and all those rhythm parts that you hear that sound like on a strat I was playing a strat so the rhythmic swinging parts are me and the uh, rest of the guitars are by Jack Hughes great rhythm parts by Jack Hughes again very influenced by those bands of that era that uh, I was I admired again the Blue Nile Deacon Deacon Blue and Prefab Sprout it's all there in the melting pot and I'm tipping my hat to soul music as well because uh, as well as the Beatles we had Motown happening so to me nostalgia and romance for Motown soul and the Mersey beat Johnny sang the blues when Johnny sang Just one more time, baby You put on your bright red dancing shoes When Johnny sang the blues All of our hearts were breaking Christmas lights in your eyes were shining I swear I was holding you When Johnny sang
for the 60s when I grew up north of England Mersey beat the Beatles and Motown when Johnny sang the blues so now we come uh, to the final track on the album a song called Where the Sun is Buried I've spoken about this song before where it was inspired from um, I was reading a story about uh, the end of a battle and the soldiers were stood there on the field and one soldier said uh, across the desolation, uh, where is the sun buried? Uh, it's certainly not here. And uh, that resonated with me, and uh, this song appeared. The verses um, have mentions of the Bosnia War and uh, the Oklahoma bombing, and there was a school shooting, a terrible school shooting, in a town in Scotland called Dunblane, and they make appearances in this song. It's really the story of why, uh, the eternal human question of why do these things happen and uh, nothing is gained from violence, um, only more violence. The feel of the song is slow jazz. Um, my programme, The Drums, and Jimmy Copley got involved. It felt really good to um, tell this story with this kind of feel. Some songs, even when you write them right before an album, you know they're the, the last song on an album. And Where the Sun is Buried, instantly when that song appeared, I knew that this was probably the last song on In the Temple of the Muse and so it was listen for the beautiful beautiful guitars by uh, Bill Dylan particularly on the fade there's some amazing riffs and some great guitar by Russ, Russell Broom two wonderful uh, Canadian guitarists I was lucky to have involved on this album so here is Where the Sun is Buried Does anybody wonder Why we lay a flower By a schoolyard gate Quiet and lame. Do you ever wonder why we place a flower by a ruined wall in Oklahoma? And I wanna know where the sun is buried. And I wanna know where the light is hidden. Beneath some heavy stones Beneath my broken bones And I think I know Where the sun is buried It's in my own backyard In a garden overgrown and scarred In my own heart 
remember a bloodstained flower in the hands of a child in Sarajevo. And I wanna know where the sun is buried. And I wanna know where the light is hidden beneath some heavy stones, beneath my broken bones. I think I know where the sun is buried. It's in my own backyard. In a garden overgrown and scarred In my own heart Yeah has been a special um, of In the Temple of the Muse. Thank you to uh, the supporters that asked me to do this. It was great fun to do this special and uh, I learnt a lot by doing it. A lot of things you forget but it all came back which is great. The album was released in 2008 on my uh, independent label Ironing Board uh, Records and I want to thank Jeff Lorenzen for uh, doing some great engineering with me, particularly at my house uh, when we were putting this album together, and Ed Thacker for recording the drums, the live drums of uh, Jimmy Copley at American Studios, and uh, the, all the musicians, all the musicians that got involved. I'd like to thank Mike Rodriguez as well for being technically supportive through all this and getting everything launched. And I have to thank Diane Poncha, my executive producer, who made me sing these songs more than I wanted to. Um, and got to thank my my good friend Bobby Summerfield for actually helping me right at the end of the project uh, sort of uh, put the sequencing together and get this onto a CD and do some great uh, quality control at the end of the project. And Diane Poncho, my manager, took the cover photograph, which was taken at a mission in California with stained glass windows shining down on me. The album was uh, initially recorded on analog um, and then transferred to digital. And most of it, yes, the majority of it, is, was 
recorded at my home studio here. And I also want to thank Vanessa Levitt, who keeps these radio shows and all my social media bubbling along wonderfully. And I should thank my cats. I had a tribe of cats that made me feel very Buddhist through the recording sessions. And I want to thank you, my loyal owl heads, for encouraging me to do this show. And uh, I hope that you join me again on further um, expeditions into my vaults and my archives. And uh, I will see you again very soon in the Owl's Nest. <laughs> <laughs>